Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Holy moly, good to be back home. <laughs> yeah, it is good to be back home. And Joe was on a little bit of a road show. Yeah, another big heavy news day. So much going on. Yeah. Finally, the scam scheme, uh, the debauchery that happened to Lieutenant General Mike Flynn oh. is all coming out. Oh, disgusting, isn't it? Just filthy. All right, let me get right to the show because we got a lot going on. What are we see? Yeah, man. Uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Omaha Steaks. Gosh, do we love Omaha Steaks? We tore some up last night. My wife and I, and they are delicious. They melt in your mouth. I, sometimes I don't even have to chew most. You just sit there and you're like, oh, it's so good. We love Omaha Steaks. Send the holiday gift that families across America have loved for almost 100 years, for over 100 years, excuse me, Omaha Steaks. Think Omaha Steaks this holiday season to treat your family to world-class steaks, burgers, chops, and more delivered to your house. Omaha Steaks is America's original butcher since 1917. Order with complete confidence. Stuff is delicious. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an amazing limited time offer to my listeners. When you go to omahasteaks.com, and this is important, enter uh, promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, into the search bar. You will get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package. Originally $195, Joe, now only $49.99. Here's what you're going to get. Four hand-cut, aged-to-tenderness top sirloin steaks, two savory premium pork chops, four chicken fried steaks, four Omaha Steaks burgers, my personal favorites, Four snappy kielbasa sausages, all beef meatballs, four perfectly brown potatoes, all gratin, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, plus get four more burgers free. You will tear them up. Omaha Steaks, a fifth-generation family-owned company with over 100 years of experience delivering perfectly-aged beef hand-cut by master butchers in Omaha. These are world-class steaks and beef roasts, premium poultry, pork, veal, and lamb. Again, get this limited-time package for only $49.99. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type Bongino, it's important, in the search bar. That's how you get the rebate. Type Bongino in the search bar when you go to omahasteaks.com and you uh, and add the family gift package to your cart. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type Bongino in the search bar to send the Omaha Steaks family gift package today. Yeah, we love Omaha Steaks. I tear them up. Okay. okay. Um, so the, the paperwork came out. A lot of stuff to get to, but the paperwork came out for Mike Flynn yesterday, the sentencing paperwork, and there's a couple of uh, really just uh, disturbing things in there. Now, the first about 10 to 15 pages of the sentencing paperwork contains some real explosive stuff. Uh, folks, now, just for those of you missing the background on this, uh, some, most of you know the general story, but remember, Mike Flynn was the appointed national security advisor for President Donald Trump. He had a conversation um, uh, in January with the Russian ambassador, that conversation was was uh, was listened to by the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. His Mike Flynn's name was leaked to the Washington Post through a reporter, David Ignatius. And one of the most disgusting episodes of spying on an American citizen we've ever seen in our lives. Right. 
So not only are the people who were spying on Mike Flynn not prosecuted, but they decided it'd be a good idea to prosecute Mike Flynn himself. Uh. So, the, yeah, the FBI, um, in an effort to trap Flynn in a perjury trap, sends agents over to the White House to interview Mike Flynn. Now, what came out yesterday, and we kind of had an inkling of before, but what's now confirmed by the sentencing paperwork, is, according to Andy McCabe, who was the number two at the FBI, Joe. Right. And this is, a, this is a, according to Byron New York at the Washington Examiner. McKay, by his own account, urged Flynn to talk to agents alone without a lawyer present. Ladies and gentlemen, this is... A, a, now, does this happen? Yes. Yeah, of yeah. course this happens. I'm not going to lie to you and say, you know, every federal... I was a federal agent. You know, I, I, I never urged my clients, uh, not clients, um, my, the people I was investigating, uh, like urged them, like pushed them to talk without a lawyer. But I would tell them that it is their option. It is your option to talk with or without a lawyer. Sure. You don't have to have a lawyer present. A lot of people choose not to right. because they, you know, they want to cooperate and get it out of the way. But for a case of such profound significance, do you think it's a good idea for the FBI to, quote, urge him to talk alone without a lawyer present? Hell no. And you're darn right. And McCabe, the number two, keep in mind, is no big flan a fan of Mike Flynn because Flynn is involved in this case as a character witness against a woman who had made accusations against Andy McCabe of some type of discriminatory uh, uh, work environment accusation that's out there. So F Flynn and Andy McCabe are not friends. So we tracking folks. McCabe's the number two at the FBI yeah. when this is going down. McCabe's wife is a Democrat or was a Democrat candidate for office who had received money from Hillary Clinton associated people. Right. McCabe does not like Flynn. Flynn, uh, provided character witness, uh, uh, basically a character witness uh, deposition or a statement on behalf of someone who was making a complaint against Andy McCabe. So McCabe says, this is according to McCabe's account of this, that I explained that I thought the quickest way to get this done, the interview with Flynn, by the way, was to have a conversation between Flynn and the agents only. McCabe further wrote, I stated that if Lieutenant General Flynn wished to include anyone else in the meeting, like the White House counsel, for instance, that I would need to involve the Department of Justice. Flynn, this is why I know Flynn was not being dishonest. Flynn stated this would not be necessary and agreed to meet with the agents without any additional participants. Folks, this was a setup from the start. They walked in there with a transcript of the conversation Mike Flynn had, knowing from the moment they got in there that Flynn was uh, was had no idea this was going to be some kind of criminal interview. Now, I've I'm hearing from reliable people out there, and I'll leave it at that. That Flynn never ever ever viewed the FBI as um. How, how do we how do we say this? Hmm. As being on the opposite side of where he was. Flynn never viewed them. He viewed them as allies, Joe. He didn't view them as uh, confrontational or anything like that. Flynn always viewed the FBI as allies. So when understand where Flynn is, he's the incoming national security advisor. He does this interview at the White House. They say they want to talk about a conversation with the Russians, right? Yeah. Flynn is under the assumption as a national security advisor. This probably has to do with an uh, international geopolitics, right? Why wouldn't he? He's never had an issue with the FBI before. They're all good guys, man. They're all good guys, he thinks. Right. Well, who shows up? Peter Stroke uh, and, and another guy, um, I, I believe it was Bianca, who shows up for this interview. They show up for the interview with Flynn. All of a sudden, they tell him, you know, don't worry. You don't need a lawyer for this. No big deal. 
Not only that, according to this new reporting, and I have this up in an article to show notes, please read it because it shows the disgrace what happened to Mike Flynn. Joe, they failed to warn him about uh, Title 18 USC 1001. In other words, they failed to warn him that if, if he made statements that were contradictory to the information they have, that he could be charged with false statements. Right. Again, is it mandatory that they warn him? No. Do you think in a case of such a high profile nature, it's probably a good idea that you ask him to have a lawyer present or you at least uh, suggest it or at a minimum, you suggest to him that the conversation you're having can be used against him and they could prosecute him with false statements charges. You think in a case like this, that may be the ethical thing to do. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. It says, Joe, not only they fail to warn him, but that they failed to warn him because they wanted him to be, quote, more relaxed. And in the actual sentencing paperwork, this is devastating. It says, Joe, that Flynn clearly saw the FBI agents as allies. Do you believe this? What happened to this guy? More relaxed. More. Re- they wanted yeah. him more relaxed. So, yeah. it, so, th- so that he would open up about this conversation he had with the Russians. Yeah. Flynn failed to recall specific details about the conversation. There's nothing unusual about that, yeah. folks. Nothing. How many pled guilty? Yeah, they were tra- they were threatening to bankrupt him. They did bankrupt yeah. him, actually, and go after his family, too. Don't tell me he pled guilty without understanding and putting that in context. You don't know what you're talking about. Of course, Flynn wasn't going to remember every single detail of the conversation. Granted, I accept it. They were important details. But I've already explained to you repeatedly on the show why I think Flynn did not recall every single detail of that conversation. Of course, Peter Stroke and the other agent interviewing Flynn can recall every detail of it. Why, Joe? They had the transcript. Yeah, right in front of them. They can just read it. Why not just give him the transcript and let him look at it and review what he said? Because they didn't want that. They wanted to nail him on a false statements charge. Folks, he was vacationing in the Dominican Republic when the call, Mike Flynn, when the call with the Russian ambassador came up. What do people do on vacation? They relax. Maybe they have a few adult sodas or something. Maybe they don't recall every single sentence that they uttered. This guy got screwed. McCabe set him up. Oh, you don't need a lawyer here. No big deal. It's just a friendly conversation. Quote, Mike Flynn clearly saw the FBI agents as allies. They didn't tell him about the false statements potential because they, quote, wanted him relaxed. Now. Another piece of information, it's not new, we've been on this for a while, but it was uh, now that the sentencing paperwork is out. Joe, this interview with Flynn happened in January of 2017. All right. Here's what's really, really kind of baking my bagels a little bit, folks. The 302, in other words, the summary, that's an FBI uh, numerical uh, denomination for a, a summary report of the interview. Remember that. These are typically issued stats. Right away after the interview, they put a 302 because when? Because why? Because your memory's best after the interview. You're not going to write a report of an interview you did six months later. Or are you? Why is the FBI 302 in this case? Why does it have a date of August 22nd, 2017? Yeah, come on. Yeah, no, no, I'm not kidding. Seven months later. Yes, August 22nd. What happened, folks? Dude. I'll tell you what happened. It's becoming clear as day what happened. There was probably, likely, highly likely, an initial 302, a summary of what Flynn said. The summary of what Flynn said did not indicate deception. How do we know that? Because Jim Comey has already told 
people up on the Hill and others that the agents who interviewed Flynn did not detect deception. This is, this is a matter of public record. You can look at it yourself. Well, Joe, if you were intending on charging someone with false statements, do you think you want it on the record that you don't think he was being deceptive? <laughs> of course not. You look like a fool. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, mysteriously, we see a 302 with an August 22nd, 2017 date. Were they revised? Were they changed? Was there an amendment? What happened? Was the story changed to make it appear that Mike Flynn was being dishonest when he wasn't? We still haven't seen those 302s. I have a question for you. Yes. With the 302s, if, if there was going to be a revision, is there a process for that? Is there notations for that? You know, to be candid, good question. Uh, we, in the Secret Service, we had memorandum okay. reports, and there was a reporting, I think it was every three months you had to update the case. And even if there was nothing to report, right. you'd say, there's nothing to report. Bingo. I'm not exactly sure what the process with the FBI 302 here is, but it's clear as day that this August 22nd, 2017 302 must have had some information, Joe, that indicated that now they thought Flynn was being deceptive, despite the fact that they didn't think he was being deceptive before. That's why this one is so critical. Yeah. But as for the clear reporting requirements, I'm not sure. I know there's a paper trail that I'm sure of. That I've got from my friends because I, I was not an FBI agent, was a Secret I was Service going agent. With that. Yeah, yeah. But my F, my friends, let's just say, have told me no. There's clearly going to be a record, regardless of what the original and what either the amendment or the follow up said on it. But this August twenty second, twenty seventeen thing, I want to see the originals, folks. This is this is incredible. So let's just walk through this again before I move on. The number two at the FBI, who already doesn't like Flynn because of the Flynn's involvement in this other case against McCabe, right? Mm -hmm. Sends two FBI agents to the White House to interview him about perfectly legal behavior. Mike Flynn, the incoming national security advisor, talking to the Russians. He recommends that they don't talk to a lawyer during this interview, despite the grave importance of what Flynn's about to say. Nobody tells Flynn this is a criminal investigation. Matter of fact, they don't even warn him about false statements because they say, well, we wanted him more relaxed. Even worse. They say Flynn clearly saw them as allies, meaning they were baiting him in a little bit of, of, of social engineering on their part to get him to talk, to be more, quote, relaxed. Finally, we have a 302 with an 822-2017 date, despite the fact that the interview happened in January. What is that? What's in that? Now, one, one thing on this as well. This is why I believe Mueller is a genuinely bad guy right now. It was not the Department of Justice that sought prosecution against Mike Flynn. None of this happened until Mueller jumped on the scene. And my guess is they thought uh, Flynn had some integral role in a Russian collusion scandal. And when the collusion scandal fell apart, they had to get Flynn to shut up about what happened to him and all the footprints left behind the Sally Yates stuff. So to get Flynn to shut up, what do you do? You prosecute him on false statements and you bankrupt him to get him to shut his mouth. May say, well, Flynn will talk later. Ladies and gentlemen, Flynn was going to talk later anyway. Yeah. The point is, the, further, the longer you can delay this, past elections and everything else, to give some breathing room for Hillary Clinton and others, the better. I think they were hoping the scandal would die down over time. You got me? Everybody's going to talk anyway. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is buy time. It's like someone talking now about, about details about Watergate. You'd be like, really? Wow, that's a great story. You'd probably be front page news for a day. But no one would care anymore. Right. They need to buy time. 
Mueller was clearly buying time by prosecuting Mike Flynn on a made-up, fabricated false statements charge. Pled guilty. Of course he did. He was saving his family. Guy was bankrupted by this. Remember, Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch always says, he says it best. I can't say this enough. He says, the process for the liberals, Joe, is punishment. It is punishment. They use the process to bankrupt you. The government has endless legal resources, endless legal resources to prosecute uh, prosecute you. You do not. You will eventually run out of money and you will be forced to plead guilty. Folks, I know it. I've seen it in the system I worked in. Eventually, people stress out. They run out of patience. They run out of time. They run out of money and people wind up playing. Now, I've never oversaw a case, obviously, where someone pled guilty to a crime they wouldn't commit. That would not only be illegal for us to sign on to that, but unethical. But I'm telling you, having seen it as a matter of fact, the process is punishment in and of itself. The left knows that. All right. Uh, hey, one quick thing again. Thanks for everybody who supports the Chum Store. Uh, we just added an Own the Libs t-shirt and mug. So if you go to the Chum Store, my website, Bongino.com, again, all of our proceeds, all of them, uh, go to charity. We have to split some with the, the logistics company they take there. But our cut, Paul and mine, uh, goes to charity. Uh, you you wound up giving scholarships to, my wife said, uh, multi-year scholarships now to two students. Uh, you changed some lives. So, But we just added own the lib stuff. So go pick it up. We really appreciate that. My wife wanted me to mention that today. Uh, so thanks. She puts a lot of work into it. Hey, um, Joe, did you see yesterday? Did you see Trump owning the libs in the Oval Office? I- did you catch this? <laughs> I was you, so busy driving. I didn't I know, Joe was doing it. Today, and poor Joe, man. He's, he, he's, he's uh, Joe's feisty today. He's back home in his, in his, uh, in his domain. So, yeah. <laughs> Trump was in the Oval Office yesterday, folks. I don't know if you caught this or not. He's there with Chuck Schumer and he's there with Nancy Pelosi. And he does this genius move where he brings the press in to negotiate with these two far, uh, far left radicals, Pelosi uh, and Schumer. And they're in the Oval Office. And Nancy Pelosi starts, you can see her squirming because she's uncomfortable that the press is there. Bottom line is, Trump winds up getting into an argument in front of the press with them, which is a beautiful thing, over a government shutdown and border security. Here's the rub. Trump wants $5 billion for border security to build the fence. Does that, so to track these numbers, because this is going to be uh, important when, when I get to how Trump totally owned the libs in this one. Trump wants $5 billion to build the wall. The Democrats only want to do 1.6 billion, which is not enough. Trump wants five. Democrats want 1.6. So he gets into a debate in front of the press about this, about the logistics of it and getting it done. And Pelosi's like, well, you got the Republican votes. You should do it. And Trump brings up the very accurate point that, well, we don't have enough votes in the Senate to overcome you Democrats. So why would I get a bill passed in the or try to get a bill passed in the House of Representatives with our Republican allies over there, Joe? If it's just going to die in the Senate. Right. So Pelosi, of course, has no answer. Uh, and then he, he baits Chuck Schumer into an argument about a government shutdown over it. And he gets Schumer to get uh, to, to, he baits him into an argument about border security. And Trump says, I will secure the border. I will shut the government down if it means securing the border. Folks. The liberals, people like Chris Saliza and others who have who have been wrong on just about every. These are political prognosticators who have a 100% success record of failure. They have failed on nearly every prediction. We're all over Twitter. Oh, my gosh. Schumer got Trump to own the government shut that they missed the whole thing. He entirely owned them yesterday. Getting Schumer on the record 
that they are not for border security. And that if the government shuts down, it's about border security (laughs) was a genius move by Trump. So I've got a couple of points is one. I want to show you that Saliza and these other, you know, uh, guys who have been again, these prognosticators, liberal prognosticators who are wrong on everything. Showing you and demonstrating to you that they were wrong. What happened immediately after Schumer and Pelosi left the Oval Office where they claimed victory? We got Trump to admit he'll shut the government down over border security. Well, what happened? Pelosi and Schumer, Joe, could not run to the cameras quick enough. You saw <laughs> press conferences at the on the Oval Office South Grounds. You saw another presser up on Capitol Hill. Folks, they were in a panic to reframe this thing. In a panic. The Democrats, just to be clear, Trump said this. He basically made the narrative that the media now has to report. Yes, I will secure the border. Or we'll shut this thing down. The Democrats think that's a win. The Democrats in the media, I mean, but the Democrats up on Capitol Hill know it's a big L. L. They lost. Ah! <laughs> yeah, they ran to the cameras. They ran to the cameras. This is the Trump shutdown. This is a, this is a, we're, we're for border security too. We're for border security too. Now they know this shutdown, if it happens in the coming days, if this government shutdown happens over this funding, the Democrats know they are screwed and they are desperate to reframe this. Now, so that's point number one. The multiple press conferences in a, in a desperate effort to shut down the narrative Trump has now put out there in the media. Because the media can't ignore Trump. He's the president, right? Uh. The government will be shut down because we can't secure the border. Trump wants that. He totally owned them. Second, I actually have, um, I actually have three points about this. Secondly. Pelosi halfway through starts saying, hey, can we get the press out of here? Can we get the press? Can we get the press? Out? She was freaking out. Now, folks. Uh, Joe, how, how many politicians over the years at WCBM have you guys interviewed? Couple, uh, maybe a couple thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam, probably in the thousands, right? Yeah, man. Joe, yeah. have you ever known a politician who did not like free press coverage? <laughs> no. No. Now, I'm not making it up. Right? Have you ever met one? No, of course no, he hasn't. No. That's why he's laughing, because it's such a stupid question. Yeah. Joe at WCBM in Baltimore, if you call any politician, go, can you come on this morning? Unless they are dying or yeah. in a hospital, they'll be like, you're damn right I can. Why would Pelosi want the cameras out of the Oval? Because unlike Chris Saliza, a uh, failed political prognosticator, Pelosi realized right away that an argument over shutting down the government to secure our border is a big loser for her. We need to get the press out of here. She was freaking out. We need, we, we need to do this in private. No, that's okay, Nance. We're good. And then Trump comes right back and goes, no, it's all about transparency. <laughs> what a, I mean, this was like hashtag epic ownership of the lib right there. Ownership of the lib. Chapter one. Get them on camera admitting they don't want to secure the border and are willing to shut the government over it, shut the government down over it. This is how you own the libs. So what? Number one, they ran in, they ran in front of the press to reframe it because they lost. Secondly, she wanted the press out of their stat because she realized this was going badly. Third, Joe, what happened? The minute they walked out of there with the Republicans in Congress, the Republicans in Congress who were getting wobbly, mm-hmm. don't get wobbly, that's your rep. They were getting wobbly. 
the Republicans were not fighting for the five billion for the wall. That's why I said this number was going to come up again. The Republicans were sticking to the one point six because a lot of them are wobbly and they're fake Republicans, right? Well, what happened? The minute Pelosi left, the Republicans came out and said, "Yeah, we're going to go for that five billion out of the wall right now." Boom. <laughs> Ah, yeah, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> the Republicans up on the hill, some good ones, but most of them don't have any spines, saw Trump completely decimate these two because he's a great negotiator in front of the cameras in the Oval. And instead of the $1.6 billion that they were fighting for, they said, you know what? Now let's go for that five because now we've got him in a corner. And yet you'll see the Salizas and others of the world insisting somehow Schumer and Pelosi came out of that fully intact and had won that interaction. Folks, they dropped a huge L on that one. They lost big. Now, I want to bring up one final point on this. Trump is entirely strategically unpredictable. He is, folks. I, I, again, I don't want to golden calf anyone. That's not my intention or genuflect in front of any politician. But I've noticed this about Trump, that politicians have become used to the standard boxing rules over the years. Three minute rounds, um, a minute rest, no rocks inside your gloves, whatever they box with 12 ounce gloves now, no kidney punches, no punches below the belt. Certainly no takedowns or grappling. When the referee breaks you, when you're clinching, you break, right? Follow me, because this is important. This shows you how Trump so easily manipulated two senior-level politicians who have been at this their entire lives and just broke them in front of the cameras yesterday. Trump does not follow the rules. He just doesn't. You may not like it. You may think it's uh, chaotic. I don't. I, how you describe it is up to you. I call it strategically unpredictable. He doesn't follow the rules. The referee comes in like the media yesterday at the, at the Oval Office and says, okay, break. And in the standard rules, the Republican would break and the Democrat would break. And they would say, okay, media, can you leave? We'll, can, we'll do this behind closed doors. The, the referee in this case tells Trump to break. Trump backs away for a second and then goes in and bites everybody. <laughs> Mike Tyson style. He, and then he takes and he does a, he, he shoots for a double leg on Chuck Schumer. Like, this is boxing. This is an MMA. They don't know what to do. They're in a panic. They're calling out to the ref and the media. Save us. Save us. Get out of here. No transparency. And nobody's responding. The ref is leaving them alone. He is entirely strategically unpredictable. And it, uh, it doesn't allow them time to formulate out a plan to anticipate his next response because they don't know what his next response is ever going to be. They don't get it. I used this analogy on Hannity uh, uh, last night. Mm -hmm. well, I think it was Hannity last night. Yeah. <laughs> I said it, it, it reminds me a bit of, of the first UFC. For those of you who missed the first UFC, the ultimate fighting championship, the first one. Right. It was the best thing ever. Because the first UFC, nobody knew. Everybody thought karate worked. I mean, worked like in the movies. I, you know, Machida actually showed some forms of karate can work in UFC. But mm -hmm. ironically, when for everybody thought like, oh, man, I saw those Chuck Norris movies. You're a black belt in karate. You know, only a ninja can kill a ninja. Remember those ninja <laughs> movies? Yeah. Uh, no, I assure you that's not true. Uh, we don't want to kill ninjas, but oh, the ninja, only a ninja can kill a ninja is not true. 
Now, I'm sure there are some liberals who probably believe that because they have a problem with facts. But that's the thing. Like with the first UFC, nobody knew what to expect from the other guy. And Hoyce Gracie came in with this almost mystical former Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mystical because nobody understood it. He beat guys twice his size like that. Lickety split. They were panicked in the ring because they didn't know what to expect. The problem, Joe, by UFC three and four, people understood what grappling was about and kind of had an idea. I love mm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu when mm -hmm. it works, but they had an idea at a minimum how to counteract it a bit. Right. Grab, clinch, hold on the ground, pull guard, whatever. The Democrats, my point is, they're not at the UFC 3 stage yet. They're still at UFC 1, where they have not figured out, going into the ring, how Trump is ever going to respond. It is He is entirely strategically unpredictable, and what it does is it forces them into these errors in front of everyone. As I've said repeatedly, it forces them to show their, show their butts. And they overreact to Trump. Instead of yesterday just playing it cool in the Oval Office, Joe, right? Instead of playing it cool, mm -hmm. they, they hate this guy so much and he's so strategically unpredictable that instead of just allowing him to dance around a ring a little bit and playing it safe, they go in for the attack and they get armbarred every <laughs> single time. They're so angry. Instead of just shutting up, letting the press leave and digest it, they have to, Joe, do you understand they have to respond? Yeah. They hate this guy so much yeah. and they know their donors do too. So what does he do? He just turns around and owns him. Triangle, Kimura, double leg, single. It's every time. Scarf holds if you want to get fancy. Catch wrestling. The guy will do anything. He's a guerrilla negotiator. <laughs> he is a hundred percent. He is. He like he is not into like, let's line up, load your muskets. He pops out of the jungle like, ah, Gatling gun. <laughs> like, uh, who was it now? Remember in Predator, was it Bill Duke picks up Jesse Ventura's Gatling gun? He's like, ah! and he starts mowing the whole forest down. That's Trump. He just burns the whole forest down. And the Democrats, instead of just sitting there, they just have to respond and they get burned. Now they're on the record. We do not support border security and we're willing to shut the government down over it. And liberal prognosticators like Saliza are still insisting somehow they I know that they won this interaction. It is so embarrassing. He owned you yesterday, completely owned you. Completely. All right. I had a lot of fun with that segment. Just for what it's worth. All right, I got a, a couple more things to talk about. It's been a busy news week. Uh today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brick House Nutrition. We love Brick House, folks. We all know. All of us know that fruits and vegetables, wholesome, healthy fruits and vegetables, all of those micronutrients and macronutrients in there, they are life-sustaining. They'll enhance our cognitive abilities. They'll help us perform better, feel better. Everyone, every doctor, nutritionist, personal trainer will tell you. It's unanimous. What's you? Nothing's unanimous. You ask kids in a classroom if they want homework. Uh, there's always one kid that raises his hand, right? Nothing's unanimous except this. You have to eat your fruits and vegetables. Now, the problem for a lot of us, including me, is we live really super busy schedules with super busy lives, and we don't have time to prepare. Sometimes these vegetables can take a little bit, right? I have your fruit and vegetable insurance. It's called Field of Greens. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. If you pick up Field of Greens, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get real food. Folks, this is not extract. It's not some pill. It's not some crappy old garbage vegetable that was thrown away, they ground into a powder. This is wholesome, nutritious, fresh vegetables, 
ground up into a powder and it's real food. It is not extract. This is not a supplement by definition. It's food. You will take the powder. You put it in juice, water, whatever. Your protein shakes, this field of greens. You take one. I take two scoops a day. It tastes delicious. Has a nice berry tinge to it. You will feel the difference within days. Your body will just love it. It will suck up these macronutrients and micronutrients, and you will feel better for it, folks. Everybody knows we need our fruit and vegetable insurance. I love it. I have never felt better since I've been on it. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Please pick up a bottle of Field of Greens today. You will not regret it. Okay. Uh, I've got a couple other stories uh, to cover today as well. There's a great, great, great story by Paul Sperry at Real Clear Investigations, who's been doing some really excellent work. And he talks about a subject we brought up uh, we brought up often, but now that the Cohen sentencing is happening actually right now um, in uh, U.S. District Court up in New York, Michael Cohen, Trump's uh, former lawyer. Right. I think it's important that we put this out there. Folks, the sentencing paperwork on Cohen is out, and it is crystal clear, as Barry points out, that there is a major, major, explosive miss in there. Now you say, how can you have an explosive uh, piece of information that's not in there? Yeah, explain, Danny. Joe, Michael Cohen, who has been charged with uh, some taxi cab medallion stuff mm-hmm. and some basically some false statements type stuff. Michael Cohen, the whole case against Donald Trump. I, I, I hate to keep reiterating this, but it's important you understand this. The entire case against Donald Trump and his team, it's appearing clear as day right now, is based on this dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. The dossier has been largely discredited. Now that it's been discredited, one of the liberal arguments has been repeatedly, they've said, well, you can't disprove it, as if the new standard of justice in the United States is just level an allegation, and as long as it can't be disproved, then uh, you're guilty. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that's what police states do. I think we know that. But liberals are police staters. Now, I said to you that they were going to evolve. They were going to evolve from, uh, what, you know, when, when the FISA documents are exposed, they're going to evolve from, well, even though the FISA documents use the dossier, the real explosive stuff is in the redactions. Well, Trump wants the redactions released and liberals don't, which should say to you that that's nonsense, that the redactions probably back up Trump's version of events, that the dossier was the bedrock of their case and the dossier is, in fact, false. I'd also said to you that then they're going to fall back on, well, you know, they didn't really need the dossier because it's fake. So liberals will say they didn't need the dossier to prosecute Trump, which, again, is false because Andrew McCabe, the number two in the FBI, who clearly went after Mike Flynn, as we addressed in the beginning of the show, too. The number two in the FBI is on the record saying that the case would not have existed in the FISA courts without the dossier. So all of that is false. The fact that the explosive stuff is in the redactions, they don't know that. Why would Trump want it out then? What are you, you, an idiot? I mean, seriously, I'm sorry. You can't be that dumb. Then they'll say, you know, uh, no. So now they'll move on. After those two things, uh, those two things died down. Sorry, I got a little bit distracted. I'm looking at this Flynn stuff right now and this Cohen stuff on TV. Now they're going to say, well, just because the dossier uh, may not be true, doesn't mean you can't disprove it and they shouldn't have used it. Now, why is this important in relationship to the Sperry piece and how I set this up? Because the core tenet of the dossier, as I've said repeatedly to you folks, is this allegation in there that Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer, went to Prague 
to work with these Kremlin-associated officials to have them hack Hillary's emails. That's the whole story. Do you get what I'm saying? They were going to, once the dossier's been discredited, they're going to say, well, you can't prove the whole thing was false. Folks, the entire dossier centers on this story that Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, the guy being sentenced today, went to Prague to coordinate this entire intrusion into the DNC email systems to attack Hillary. What's the problem? Let me quote Michael Cohen. This is going to, I promise you, this has a, this is going to really irk you today. Michael Cohen's statement. I have never in my life been to Prague or anywhere in the Czech Republic. Uh Uh-oh. Folks, the whole dossier, the whole Trump colluded with the Russians dossier is bedrocked in this one idea, this allegation that Mike Flynn went to Prague to get this stuff. Mike Flynn has never been to Prague. What does that have to do with the sentencing today and Paul Sperry's piece? And why does this matter to you? Because the sentencing documents indicate that Cohen is cooperating on the quote Russia probe, Joe. And yet nowhere, anywhere in any of the sentencing documents or any of the false statements charges is Michael Cohen's statement that he's never been to Prague challenged. Nowhere. Matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, the word Prague appears nowhere in the sentencing documents. So put this together. I hope you see I'm leading you down this road. Mm. Read this Paul Sperry piece in the show notes. If the dossier was true and collusion was real, Michael Cohen would have already admitted to have gone to Prague. He hasn't. He has said, not only have I never been to Prague, I've never been anywhere in the Czech Republic. And although Mueller's charged him with false statements, Joe, he hasn't charged him with a false statement on that one. Which says what? Michael Cohen is telling the truth. The dossier is bunk. So now, see how I led you here? Mm -hmm. Now, we've reached the, we're at the end of the yellow brick road. Now, when your liberal friends in their last ditch attempts at reclaiming the setup of Donald Trump through the dossier, the it's, an, it's just been a fake case the whole time. They'll say to you, well, you can't disprove it. You can say, actually, we can, because the core focus of the dossier is a Cohen trip to Prague that never happened. Yeah. Never happened. Mueller never charged him with a false statement on that, ladies and gentlemen. Not only that, the only false statement they charged him with was the false statement about ongoing conversations about this uh, Moscow Trump Tower project that never came to fruition, which has nothing at all to do with collusion at all. But there's another statement Cohen made, Joe, Mm -hmm. that again... Mueller has never charged him with being false. So this dossier has been discredited and has been debunked. The conspiracy theorists just won't admit it. It said, he said, uh, he, at one point, oh, I got a photo of this. Let me just read it direct because sometimes I, I don't want to get, I want to make sure I get this right. This is in uh, Paul Sperry's piece today in Real Clear. Here's another statement by Michael Cohen, which says Mueller has not charged him with being false. In other words, it's true. They have no evidence it's false at all, just like the Prague thing. Cohen, I have never engaged with, been paid by, paid for, or conversed with any member of the Russian Federation or anyone else 
to hack or interfere with the election, Cohen told the Senate. I emphatically state that I had nothing to do with any Russian involvement in our electoral process. That has not been challenged anywhere. So you've got a guy cooperating. You know he's cooperating. You've indicated, Mueller, that he's cooperating on a Russia probe. He made this statement and it's never challenged? That should tell you it's true. He added, quote, Cohen they're talking about, that he saw not a hint of anything that demonstrated Trump's involvement in Russian interference in the election either. Ladies and gentlemen, this case is BS. The reason none of this is challenged in the Cohen paperwork, the reason he wasn't charged with false statements about, I've never been to Prague. I don't know anything about Russian interference in the election. The reason he was never charged is because there's absolutely no evidence he was lying about it. Michael Cohen may be guilty of taxicab medallion stuff. He may be guilty um, of, uh, of, a, of a, a bunch of stuff. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I can tell you right now, Michael Cohen, by nature of the sentencing paperwork and the charges against him, is absolutely not guilty of making false statements when he says, I haven't been to Prague and I don't know anything about Russian interference. Because he would never have been given a false statements charge if that was the case on something else, but not that. Does that make sense, Joe? Yeah, man. Good catch. Yeah. Beautiful. We, I hinted at this before, but Sperry sums it up really elegantly in his piece today in Real Clear. Yeah. That do you understand how important this is? The entire case against Trump, the collusion myth is the dossier, ladies and gentlemen. We know that because Andy McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI coordinating all this, has already told us that was the whole case. The whole case in a dossier is bedrocked in this trip to Prague that never happened. And now we know the sentencing paperwork is out. Now we know it never happened because it's never been challenged. Prague appears nowhere in the sentencing paperwork. It gets worse, believe it or not. Mm -mm. According to Christopher Steele himself, the guy who puts together the fake dossier used to politically persecute Donald Trump. Right, right. Joe, the Prague rumor was sourced to an anonymous friend of an unnamed Kremlin insider. Oh, even worse. So now you've accused, falsely so, you've accused Donald Trump of colluding with the Russians, correct? Mm. That has now been thoroughly and entirely debunked. The dossier is discredited. It's nonsensical. The only part of it we know is true is that Carter Page took a trip to Russia, which is in no way illegal. Not even close to illegal. Nothing of substance in that dossier is true. One piece of it, Mueller, clearly could not prove this trip to Prague. He couldn't even prove. I mean, this would be easy enough to figure out. But Cohen showed his passport. He's never been to Prague. Dude, you know how bad I want to cuss right now. I know, I know, because it's, it's you're like, this can't be happening in the United States of America, but it is. But this is the crazy part about the whole thing. Not only is the Russian collusion uh, thing been entirely debunked now, but now we're starting to figure out slowly that everybody who colluded with the Russians was in the Clinton space. She hired Christopher Steele, who admitted he got it from an unnamed Kremlin insider. Bingo. Ladies and gentlemen, what does that tell you? I know a lot of you are thinking this right now. 
Was this a Russian operation the entire time? Yeah. Kind of hurts, doesn't it? You know, I always say we got played, but I don't, I don't want you to think we got played, meaning like the Democrats weren't willing participants. The, Ob- the Obama administration used Russian, I, I, this is what I, I, I absolutely believe now. And if you read my book, by the way, this is the conclusion we come to at the end of a lot of these chapters as well. I believe the Russians, Joe, looking to sow electoral chaos in the United States, because that's what they do. Did not care who won. All they cared about was chaos, internal destruction in the United States. Fed a series of nonsensical, debunked, easily disproved false stories to a source Christopher Steele knew. Steele used that Russian compromise, that fake cup, this this false nonsense. They used it, which the Russians knew would sow discord, to put into a dossier which Hillary Clinton's team actively sought out. That dossier bypassed intelligence channels. Why would it do that, Joe? Because the intelligence people and the working men and women at the ground level would have caught it Mm -hmm. as being total garbage. Mm -hmm. Unnamed sources, unnamed Kremlin insiders, second and third hand information. No serious CIA, DIA, NSA analyst would would have given this information an ounce of integrity. But they bypassed official channels. And, and mainlined it like an intravenous drug right into the upper levels of the DOJ and the FBI. How do we know that? Mm. Because we have some more breaking news yesterday. Some revelations from Christopher Steele's testimony in another case, Joe, that came out yesterday. Apparently, Christopher Steele, the guy who took this Russian disinformation and put it in this dossier that's now been discredited, told the United Kingdom court on August 1st, that he gave some of this uh, information, anti-Trump information, to Strobe Talbot. Oh, oh, some of you are like, who the hell is Strobe oh, Talbot? Ew. Some of you are like, wow, really? Because you remember the uh-huh. names. Now, instead of Christopher Steele giving the information to actual intelligence assets in the United Kingdom who would pass it to their intelligence counterparts in the United States, which would have debunked this nonsense immediately, second or third-hand sources, the guy in the corner told the guy in the corner who told the barber, no, no, no. Christopher Steele gives it right to Strobe Talbot. Who was Strobe Talbot? Oh, he was an upper level State Department official for Bill Clinton. Oh, nice. Oh, and who is Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law? Oh, Cody Shear, whose business partners with Hillary Clinton's fixer, Sid Vicious Blumenthal. Strobe Talbot was Bill Clinton's he was, the, what was he, like the number two or three in the State Department under Bill Clinton. So Steele walks this fake Russian information, not to intelligence channels, it'll be debunked. He gives it to a guy he knows is deeply connected to the Hillary space, Strobe Talbot, who magically, magically finds a way to get this information with others. Steele, I'm talking about, do them into the FISA courts through nothing but political hacks connected to the Hillary Clinton space. Strobe Talbot, is his brother-in-law is a Clinton fixer, Cody Shear. Strobe Talbot is that's his brother-in-law. Yeah. Who was Strobe Talbot's chief of staff? Victoria Newland, who's an upper-level manager in the State Department during Hillary's time, who's Hillary Clinton's fixer. Victoria Newland, the same one who said, Oh, there were multiple dossiers. Really? Were there? 
Victoria Nuland involved in the Benghazi talking points too. They all had something to hide. So what did they do? They went to this former British spy. Don't pass that information to Intel. Just give it to us. Don't worry. We'll get it to the FBI. And that's exactly what they did. Listen to how detailed this is. This is how Steele, I I drew a little uh, chart here for myself today. This is how many different contacts Christopher Steele, who keep in mind is being paid by the Hillary team to gin up fake information on Trump. This is how many contacts he had outside of standard intelligence channels, Joe. He met with the State Department. That's a fact on the record. Christopher Steele met with the FBI. Well, that would be a formal intelligence channel. But he met with the FBI pumping his information to the Bureau. I'm going to tell you why he's doing this in a minute. He met with Bruce Orr at the DOJ. Not a formal intelligence channel or had nothing to do with Crossfire Hurricane, the investigation into Trump. Or his wife worked with Steele at Fusion GPS, but we'll forget that for now. Steele met with Jonathan Weiner, another State Department official. Fact, Weiner already wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post admitting he did this. Steele also met, now we know, with Strobe Talbot, brother-in-law to Cody Shear, the Clinton fixer. Why would Steele meet with all these people, including people from Yahoo News and the media? Why would he do that? Joe, let me ask you a simple question. Try to think this through as a as an honorary federal agent for the day. If you had information you knew was likely false, but you needed this information to be perceived as true, Mm -hmm. does it benefit you or not benefit you to have that information flow through multiple channels or single channel? Let me clear this up for you because that was a complicated way of saying Mm -hmm. it. But if you want information to ultimately go where? Into the FISA court, right? right? right. Mm -hmm. Or the court system to prosecute your political enemy, but you know the information is false. You know what has to get into the court and mm-hmm. people have to swear to it and people will have to believe it's true. They're not going to knowingly swear to a false document. So do you think it benefits you to have multiple people tell that same version of events to the guy or woman swearing out the document or just one? I think the uh, help of the media would be very beneficial. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is obvious what Christopher Steele did. This guy's got an intelligence background. He took information in the dossier he got from Russians, which is obviously fake. It is disinformation. It's a chaos campaign. And instead of walking it through proper intelligence channels like he should have, give it to the Brits. The Brits will give it to our intel. We'll vet it. That is not what he did. He knew it was false, but he didn't want it debunked. So he gave it to multiple people, knowing those people would all contact the FBI and say, hey, I heard a rumor Donald Trump was born on Mars. I heard that, too. I heard that, too. By the fourth or fifth time, the FBI is thinking, wow, this has to be true. Mm -hmm. The source is the same guy. It's Marvin the Martian. Marvin the Martian the whole time is the source, and Marvin the Martian is Christopher Steele. Mm, that's true. <laughs> it was good. You're down. He gives it to the State Department. They bring it to the FBI. Steele gives it to the FBI himself. He gives it to Bruce Orr. They, he gives it to the FBI. He gives it to Jonathan Weiner at State. They give it to the FBI. He gives it to Strobe Talbot. Clinton Acolyte. It makes it to the FBI from there. He gives it to the media. They write about it. All of a sudden, the same piece of BS garbage appears to be true. But it's not true. Michael Cohen's never been to Prague. This piece of information he got from, quote, unnamed Kremlin insiders about Cohen going to Prague to set up this collusion scandal is a lie. It's entirely, completely made up. It is a fabrication. It is a myth. Bob Mueller's sentencing paperwork is the biggest red flag I have ever seen regarding this dossier. There is nothing 
in there on Prague at all. And there's never been a false statement charge leveled against Cohen for saying he's never been there. Ever. They've got nothing. Zipper. Ah, I'm loving this show. Damn, I'm loving this show. Because it's so easy to nail these people to the wall. So stupid. Uh, all right. Uh, let me do this final read. I got another, just one more story I want to get to. It's a pretty good one. Matt Palumbo, my resident debunker at the website, has a really good one up. Uh, Christmas is here, ladies and gentlemen, but that sagging jawline and double chin don't have to be a part of your celebration this year. Now, I want to be clear. My wife is gorgeous. She doesn't have, but she uses Chamonix anyway. You, you know, you don't need to have a double chin to use it. You just don't want one in the future. That's another, re- another reason. You, my wife has gorgeous skin. I'm not going to tell you her age, but you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you guess. It's, you'll guess like 22 because she looks that good. She's gorgeous, but she uses this. She uses this product. What are we talking about? We're talking about Chamonix uh, GenuCell jawline treatment. You can just make those sagging jawlines and double chins disappear. Introducing the brand new GenuCell jawline treatment with dual peptide and MDL technology, Chamonix's most advanced technology ever. It not only tightens that saggy jawline, but it also plumps the lipophilic layer of your skin to contour and define the jawline within minutes. Using peptides and metolactones together for the first time, it works amazingly fast, and the results get better every day. And for the next two weeks, the GenuCell jawline treatment is yours absolutely free when you order the GenuCell for under-eye bags and puffiness. And for results in 12 hours, GenuCell's immediate effects is also free when you call or click now. Here's what I need you to do. This is really good stuff. My mother-in-law loves it too. Text YOUNG. Young, like the opposite of old, because that's exactly how your look is young. Text young to 77453 or go to genucell.com. End this year on a high note with beautiful skin, no bags and puffiness, and a tighter, higher jawline. Text the word young, young to 77453 or go to genucell.com, G E N U C E L.com, genucell.com. That's genucell.com. Um, okay, before we get to our last story, the meme winner for the day is Steve. Steve, I will put the meme up on Instagram. I'm at Bongino. If you want to follow me, you will get signed copies of my books personalized to you. Steve sent a re- <laughs> Steve sent a meme over of me taking off the off the set from Judd Janine last week when I was debating Ari. Um, Ari, who uh, who had a very spicy appearance, let's say. Joe saw it. Yeah, Joe's, Joe's yeah. giving me the look. And the meme says... Gosh, I never thought this, but we miss Chris Hahn. So there we go. I'm going to put that up on Instagram. We got my wife got a kick out of it. She loved it. So Steve, good job. Uh, we will reach out, get your address. So nice work. We got two more, two more to go. Keep submitting those memes, folks. Two more to go. You can email us info at bongino.com. Uh, throw them up on our Facebook page. That's fine too. I am uh, uh, the verified Bongino page um, on on, uh, on Facebook. Nice work, Steve. Okay. Uh, last story of the day. Uh, another good one here. So the Washington Post seems to have lost its mind. Uh, and Matt Palumbo has a great debunk this piece, which is up on my show notes now, about how the Trump administration is, is quote, engaged in the foxification of the White House. This story is hilarious in its lack of self-reflection. Folks, nobody takes the media seriously. I kind of covered that yesterday with how they wrote a completely, entirely fake news story about me and TV. Right. Uh, it was made up. Um, I don't know where their sources are from, but it doesn't matter. But the, the media does this all the time. They, they have no ability to self-reflect at all. So the, the, the gist of the Washington Post story is that, oh, this is really awful. Trump has all these people formerly associated with Fox News on the station. Heather Nauert, um, excuse me, in his, in his, in his uh, administration. John Bolton, who was a contributor. And they go through this list of names. 
Of course, Matt, who picked this up immediately, finds it absolutely hilarious that the Washington Post left this little tidbit out, Joe. So just to be clear, Joe, the mm-hmm. Washington Post principles are what? That this is a really bad thing that they hired all these media people? Mm-hmm. Let me quote Matt from his piece at the, at, on, our, on our website today. But Obama hired at least 23 journalists and hilariously hired nearly as many solely from the Washington Post as Trump has hired exclusively from Fox. Matt goes down the list. Samantha Power, speechwriter Dessen Thompson, John Kerry, Assistant Secretary of State for Public. He goes down this list of all these people associated with both liberal outlets or the Washington Post. So then, just to be clear, the Washington Post, this is the foxification of the White House, hiring all these Fox people. Obama hired almost as many people from the Post alone. As this is a, that doesn't even count people from other liberal outlets. This is a total joke. It's a farce. Um, it's a made-up story, but this is what the media does, ladies and gentlemen. And for those of you who have a problem, some of the liberals will email me after the show and say, well, that's, uh, excuse me, they'll say that's whataboutism again. Folks, I can't say this enough. Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. The reason I constantly point out things that the Obama and Clinton administrations did that the media didn't care about, but now seem to care about now with Donald Trump, is not to say those things are right or wrong, hiring people or not hiring people from the media. It's to highlight what phonies and frauds the media are themselves. Because when you have principles like we as conservatives do, which is fighting and advocating for the preservation of life, fighting and advocating for Second Amendment rights, fighting and advocating for economic freedom and school choice. Those principles don't matter who's in office, Republican, Democrat, conservative, libertarian, or otherwise. That's because we are principled people. The media are not. If their principles are hiring people from the media is bad, then I would expect a series of exposés and to be fair, some did write about Obama's hiring of that it looked bad to be, you know, because again, we're fair, they're not. But the level of attention given to Heather Nauert and her uh, selection as the United States ambassador to the UN, just, uh, you know, she's going to have to be confirmed still. But the level of attention is in no way commensurate to the constant hiring by Obama of people entirely unqualified from the media in those positions. Nauert is qualified, by the way. They weren't. And why didn't they focus on this hiring of media people? Because it's not one of their principles. Their principles are what, Joe? Attack Republicans. Yep. That's their principle. Don't run away from whataboutism ever. Because the whataboutism is what about the principles? Don't ever forget that. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. By the way, thanks to all the listens on our YouTube channel. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Our YouTube channel has been blowing up. so. That really means a lot to me. Just uh, you know, it's 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 it, uh, we're actually astonished how many uh, how many people are listening on YouTube now. I got some big announcements coming about that soon and about my future plans. But remember, the podcast isn't going anywhere. Please subscribe on iTunes. It's free. It helps us move up the charts a lot, folks. You have no idea how much your subscriptions help. Please subscribe on iHeart. It's a follow button. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, what is it? Tune in. A whole bunch of other apps out there. You can also listen to us on Amazon Alexa. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. I will see you all. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.